The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And this week we are going to be reviewing John Hughes' Planes, Trains, and Automobiles from 1987. I hope I'm right on that. Um, And before we do that, we're going to talk about what we've been watching. Uh, We're going to look at what's coming out on home video on December 5th, 2017, and what's coming to theaters December 8th, 2017. Uh, Corey, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I am also doing okay. I've had like an angry day today, though. I don't, you know, oh. what I mean, like that kind of irrational. Like you know, you probably shouldn't be angry, but everything just seems to hit the nerves. You know? Uh huh. I ha- yeah. I had a rough week. Ah. I'm really glad it's the weekend. This week went by really fast for me. I don't know. <sighs> that's not the same for you, apparently. Um, like I don't know. I, we've been staying real busy in my classes and everything, and then. I don't know, like, about halfway through the day, it just everything started getting to me, and I was ready to go home. Um, and it was, like, nothing, none of my students did anything in particular. I just, I just felt super agitated for some reason. I was like, I need to, I need to go home. I'm ready for the weekend. Those are the worst days. They are. Because I don't want to talk to somebody and hurt their feelings or, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, again, it <laughs> wasn't anything in particular. Um, it was just like everything uh, was just wearing on me for some reason. Again, I don't even, I don't feel like there was anything that triggered that either. It was just something clicked and I was ready to, I was ready for the weekend. I was ready to come home um, and deal with stuff. And then things got even more irritating at home because um, Taylor's been sick for a couple of weeks with like oh, a, like a not. cough, not like severe sick or anything, but just this <laughs> persistent cough. And my insurance has this new doctors on demand feature where you can um, <gasps> see a doctor like, like Online. Skype them essentially. Um, and it's yes. only a $10 copay. So I'm like last night I'm thinking, Oh, that this, we could even do this right now. So I, I get on the app last night and it's like, ah, oh, the next appointment's like, 12 like midnight and I was like okay well, that's too late so I set an appointment for like 5 o'clock this afternoon and so we get home and I'm like ready like okay I've never done this I'm a little nervous what if something goes wrong that kind of thing so 5 o'clock comes around and the app's like hey don't forget I'm like oh good okay I didn't forget hit the thing and it's like it's gonna be five to five between 5pm 5 to 5.15pm 5 is your window and a, the first available doctor will see you and so Taylor and I are sitting around the table waiting for this to happen. It took all 15 minutes. At 5.15, it's, it says ready. And I'm like, okay, hitting the button. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. And then a message pops up on the screen that the doctor's taking longer with the previous patient. It'll be till like 5.35. I'm like, okay. But while I'm waiting for that 5.35, which is 20 minutes away, my email notification pops on the top of my phone from the <laughs> Doctors on Demand app saying that I missed my appointment and I was going to still be charged the copay. And I'm like, I didn't miss crap. I'm sitting right here <laughs> right now. So I, I responded to the email. I have not heard back from them yet. But so far, my experience with the doctors on demand is not positive. Because, I, I, like, they do that here with, I think, it's not the health system I work for, but it's another one. 
And I just, I feel like that's something that should be like hands-on, you know, like, oh, let's take your temperature or, oh, let me put my stethoscope against your back as you, you know what I mean? I don't, yeah. it weirds me out that everything well, is going this way. I, I see this as, you know, it's not severe enough to need like the, the temperature and stuff like that, but I basically need a prescription. I want to get her a prescription oh, cough enough. medicine. That's all I'm looking for. And so 10 bucks makes sense when that's all you're trying to do. Like to, to pay 25 bucks or 35 bucks, depending on the insurance company, to end go to a doctor's office where the wait is usually a long time. Which, again, my thought was that doctors on demand would be on demand. And I assumed a little bit of a wait time, like, like a hold time, but not when you have an appointment and then still like 30 minutes and then I'm told I'm charged and I, I'm going to have to dispute this charge, which is crap. We never got to see a doctor. Cause, and I don't know if – because we waited the 20 minutes after too. Like I waited till the time and then I was like finally like, you know what? I'm done. We'll go buy like the, the best over-the-counter cough medicine I can I can get and that's what we'll we'll try. And hopefully it will be enough. If not, I, I don't know if I'll try the doctors on demand again or if I'll take her to an actual doctor. Um, and again, it's not even a severe cough. It's just that it's nagging and we want it to go away. Um, and we are afraid of like if it is bronchitis or something getting her – whatever that requires. I don't know. I don't think it's antibiotics for bronchitis, but whatever it is that they put you on. Um, you know, we want to take care of our kid is ultimately what I'm talking about here. Cause we like her. Yeah. I, I enjoy her around and I'd like her to be healthy. So, um, you got to go see a movie though this week, right? Like for a change, you actually made it out to a theater. I did. And what movie did you get to see Corey? I went to see lady bird. Ah, uh, yes. Greta Gerwig's Lady Bird. And you hated it, right? I hated it with all my guts. Saoirse oh. Ronan is the worst actress ever. I'm just kidding. I loved it so much. Um, I've been wanting to see it for so long, and I hate when I have to wait so long to see a movie and that it gets all this hype because I'm just like, oh, what if it actually sucks, you know, or what if it doesn't live up to these expectations that I have now? But I loved every single second of it. I thought the humor was amazing um i thought everyone was absolutely great i loved everyone in the cast i loved the story a lot oh, i just loved it so much and i want to go ahead and pre-order it but i don't know if i can it's still sitting at a hundred percent with 185 reviews now on rotten Dang. tomato um it has broke the record for the most reviews with the with a hundred percent rating um greta gerwig nicely done everyone yes big time greta gerwig directed and uh, wrote this film, and it is supposedly autobiographical to a degree. Um, and I, as a result of, I saw Lady Bird a couple weeks ago, and I'm planning on seeing it again this weekend, actually. Um, but I watched uh, Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach's film, Francis Ha, uh, just about finished an hour ago. Um, it is on Netflix. It's from 2012. It's directed by Bombach, but it's co-written by him and Gerwig, and it stars Gerwig. And it's it's I like it quite a bit. Um, I don't love it. Nowhere near as great as Lady Bird, for sure, in my opinion. But definitely great. Um, she's great, and uh, it, but it's it's I think the there's a hipster vibe to the movie that kind of didn't completely click with me. It's um, Adam Driver's in it. If that gives any indication mm. uh yeah he tends to do the hipster role especially with bomba uh, yeah i didn't like the other movie that he was in for bomba we uh, are young was... i think 
Yeah. I haven't watched oh. that one yet. It's on my list. And then I also want to watch the uh, new Baumbach straight-to-Netflix film, The Meyerowitz Chronicles, um, which I've heard great things about. Um, I am – Baumbach's weird for me because he worked with Anderson, who I love. And Gerwig has worked with him, like writing, and now she's now branched into directing. And I love Lady Bird, her de- debut. But Baumbach's somewhere in the middle for me. Like, it's funny because he's, he's a branch between these two directors that I'm very fond of so far. But his movies that I've seen haven't clicked with me very well. Like, I like Squid and the Whale. I didn't love Squid and the Whale. Um, it made me uncomfortable more than anything else, which it's going for. It's going for, but it's still, it wasn't uncomfortable that I was in, like, man, I really enjoyed that journey at the end. It was kind of like, oh, I don't know if I fully got what I was supposed to get from this. And um, Francis Ha, though, I did, I, I enjoyed much more. Um, and I also, uh, Mistress America, I saw, I think, last year with with Kathy. And that one's very good as well. Also a Gerwig um, and his co-written. Oh, it's about two sisters, right? Yeah, correct. Stepsisters, if I'm not okay. mistaken. Um, okay. I think that's a plot point. And I, I think they're in like New York or something. They're in a big city. That seems to be uh, Gerwig's um, go-to. In fact, and Frances Ha, she is living in New York, um, but her family is in Sacramento. Does that ring a bell to uh, Lady yeah. Bird? So, um and again, it's supposed to be somewhat autobiographical, so it would make sense um, in that way. But um, yeah, if, yep. I, I definitely recommend uh, if you enjoyed Lady Bird checking out Frances Ha. Um, I think Gerwig is a terrific actress, uh, and I think she's a better writer, though. Um, I do think she's very talented as an actress. So, and uh, she was in Twentieth Century Women last year. Um, I still need to watch that. You do, and Billy Crudup is in that, and um, <gasps> it, it's great. So it's she's doing a. I need to Place in Isle of Dogs. Yeah, yeah, which makes sense again because of the Bombach Anderson group. It's you know they're all a little hipster uh, to a degree. I find her hipster sensibilities to be more endearing oh. than Bombach's comes off pretentious. Yeah, a, a little bit um, to me more so than than Anderson. And which Anderson's movies have a, an element of pretension, but they always seem like self-aware that it's not okay you know like that it's wrong to be this way but the characters are anyways where bomb box it seems like no no it's it's perfectly acceptable pretension is fine which it might be it's just it can rub you the wrong way if you're not really you know feeling it so um that uh i, I haven't got to see too much this week actually i watched um kepler's dream uh which is the a movie that is not bad um, but it's it's a little soap opera type, you know what I mean? Like it's a little too melodramatic at times. Um, it's directed by Amy Glazer, who is is fairly new to the. I think this is her third film, but none of them were uh, readily familiar for me. But the, this film, Kepler's Dream, has uh, <coughs> Kelly Lynch, um, Steve Michael Casada, um, Holland Taylor, who is very good in, in it, and then um, Sean Patrick Flannery. There he is. Um, but it really stars Isabella Blake Thomas, who is a young actress, um, hasn't done too much yet. She was young Zelina on Once Upon a Time at some point. Uh, she's on an episode of Shameless, an episode of Doctor Who, but um, she does a pretty good job with this movie. The dialogue's a little cheesy, and some of her line reads feel like line reads, like it's very blatant that she's reading a script kind of thing. But um, the movie, despite being a little silly and a little the 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 script not being super great 
uh, it still had a really keen sense of family. And there's, a, I ended up tearing up at the end. And I don't know if uh, apparently this is my new weakness is I, uh, I am a sucker for family movies. Um, like wonder broke me. I cried and, and positive tears too. Like it was happy tears at times. And then Coco is about family. It broke me a couple of times. And then this movie, I was like mad that it made me cry because I didn't love the movie. And yet it still managed to like bring the tears out because it just hit those, the right notes for me at the end. Um, but Overall, not a bad movie. Nothing worth seeking out, but if it's on, uh, it's definitely one you could leave on. The, the acting's solid. The story's not bad or anything. It's just, there's really nothing to, to seek it out for. There's no, like, oh my god, the story's so compelling, or this performance is, like, memorable, and you'll never forget having watched it. No, it's very forgettable. Um, but it is a solid family movie, so if it's in front of you, Kepler's Dream, I say give it a go. Fair enough. And with that, <laughs> um, is there anything else you've been watching, or is that the gist of it? Mm-hmm. Lady Bird That's and a... Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? And Unsolved Mysteries. Sadly, I'm on season six. I am. Uh, Taylor is on the last episode of The Office, which is exciting to me because I think she's watched nine I seasons. I can't finish it. <clears throat> the Office? Yeah. Really? I have a hard time with finishing shows. Oh, you, you, not because I don't want to, but because it makes me sad. And that one has a a really happy sad ending. Um, she's really stressed out about. I don't know if she ended up watching it, but we were talking about it yesterday, and she's like, "If this doesn't happen, or if this doesn't happen, or if this doesn't happen," and I'm just like nodding and like all these I, bullet points. I know the answers to all of these questions, <laughs> no. but I'm not going to tell you. Um, but I think she's watched nine seasons of The Office in like a month, so. Um, I feel like I'm parenting yes! correctly. Uh, <laughs> Binge watching um, A+. Plus. And I'm pushing her towards Parks and Rec as soon as she finishes Office. So, um, uh, Parks and Rec. Mm. Yeah, but Love that show. I, I'm I'm slowly wa- watching it. I'm not in any kind of hurry because I've seen The Office before. I'm just kind of I, – I throw it on when I'm working because I can enjoy it and not, not get too distracted. Um, and then uh, I am almost done with uh, the season of The Punisher. I've watched through 10 episodes. I think I have three more to go. Um, I like it so far, but I am a Punisher fan, uh, and it's odd because I do have like I am kind of anti-gun. I'm not totally anti-gun, but I'm also I don't own. I don't know if I should say that or not. Um, I'm not pro-gun. I guess is how I feel, and I'm not. I'm definitely anti-violence in real life, but in media um, and entertainment, I am not anti-violence, and it's. I don't know, it's a weird kind of contradiction within myself that I've always just kind of accepted. Like I know that it's not real. And so I find it entertaining. But in real life, I find violence repulsive. Um, I don't know how I've always managed to separate that. But a lot of people have been kind of, like, unhappy with The Punisher from what I've read because of the violence. And uh, it definitely it deals with some real-life type issues with, mm-hmm. like, domestic terrorism and things like that. So it, it's um, a show that's not for everybody. But if I, I enjoy the performances a lot. John Bernthal as The Punisher is amazing. And... I've been a, I I have a Punisher skull tattoo on my left bicep that I've had for gosh I guess fifteen years now, um, so I've been a fan for a while, uh, and I'm a huge Batman fan as I've said many many times, and I do not have a Batman tattoo just to kind of indicate um, something about Thomas Jane's portrayal of the Punisher, and when I found that movie, uh, even though it's not a great movie, it's still something I I enjoy. 
Um, but the character, something clicked with me. Like, and it wasn't the need for revenge as much as it was a like a kinship of loneliness because I was going through things with my my world was changing dramatically. People who I thought were my friends were no longer my friends, and I felt very much alone. And here was Punisher lost uh, his family, and I just I it clicked for me for some reason. So, um, yeah, Punisher on Netflix. I say. If you don't mind some violence, it's pretty great. And we all knew it was coming. We all knew. But they did announce today that Stranger Things will get a season oh, three. That's correct. Uh, season three of Stranger Things official, um, which, I yeah, I would like, why would it not be, I guess? but Yeah, everybody's wild about it. It's exciting to hear it's official, though, so we don't have to, like, sit on the edge of our seats. As long as none of the freaking actors end up being awful human beings who have harassed co-workers or young children or any you know what i mean like I'm hop will so, beat them i'm so afraid right now that just like that's what i'm afraid like if hop or i mean and winona's had a troubled past you know what i mean so anything what are you goes talking wrong. about i'm kidding yeah <laughs> well you know because you know right now they're they're planning on doing the next season of house of cards but they're gonna apparently kill, writing him out. kill yeah writing him out which you know it, which is fine i'm all for them like not having him on the show but it does alter that show dramatically and we already had a close call with uh jonathan from the guy who plays jonathan i don't know his name from stranger things was uh there was a mishap where he was arrested for cocaine possession (laughs) yep at an airport it apparently was a mistake so what i haven't seen that i've heard that it was a misunderstanding i don't know what that means if he had the money to get out of it or what but i heard that it was an it was not um what was initially reported and i'm not looking it up at the moment but that's something to check out people because that's kind of bs because he he missed the premiere oh wow i didn't know that wasn't it the premiere yeah he was held up he couldn't go well there you go don't don't travel (sighs) with cocaine kids but let's get into uh home video releases coming out on tuesday uh december 5th 2017 uh the big one and just in time for the holidays is Despicable Me 3, um, a movie I skipped this summer. Uh, stars Steve Carell, Kristen Wiig, Trey Parker, Miranda Cosgrove, um, some other people. Oh, Steve Coogan's in it? That's cool. Um, I am a Steve Coogan fan. It has a 49 on Metacritic. It is technically the fourth in the series, but the third uh, featuring Gru. Um, you have the Minion movie from in between two and three that did very well. Uh, this did not do as well as hoped uh, domestically, but did very well overseas. Um, and so, you know, there's probably going to be another movie or at least another Minion movie coming out at some point. I am not going to buy this. Um, I would watch this on, like, FX or HBO or something. Definitely not in my uh, must-rent category. Um, but I know you're a big fan of the little Tic Tacs. Are you excited to see this? I've only seen one of these movies. Oh, okay. I was wrong. I apologize. Oh, no. I saw, I think, the first one in theaters, and I was like, what's the big deal? Sorry. Well, um, another thing coming out, and there, this is kind of a slim week, considering that we're getting very close to Christmas. Christmas. Um, uh, this movie is listed, though, on Metacritic site that's coming out on uh, home video. It's called Endless Poetry. Um, it's by Alejandro Jodorowsky. Um, and it is, uh, I don't know anything about it, but it's got a 78 on Metacritic. 
Surrealist filmmaker Alejandro Jodorowsky tells the story of himself as a young man becoming a poet in Chile, befriending other artists, and freeing himself from the limits of his youth. So a bio coming-of-age story about himself. So that's interesting. Um, the imagery oh. looks pretty crazy, I have to say. Like, looking at some <clears throat> of the images, it is pretty interesting. Um, Even, like, the cover or the poster. Yeah, it, with all the people in red, like, looking at an angel figure. Um, it, it's it's definitely interesting looking. I don't know how easy this will be. I'm guessing this is going to be, like, home video. you got to order it kind of thing. I doubt this will be at your local Redbox. Um, or if you have a video rental store still somehow available, I doubt it will be there. Um that leads us to a mainstream movie that is getting kind of no hype. Uh, that was it was fine. Um, American Assassin comes to home video on Tuesday. Stars Dylan O'Brien, Michael Keaton, uh, Sine Lathan, Taylor Kitsch, who is the uh, movie killer as per usual. Um, oh, the guy has a curse when he gets into a movie. Uh, Michael Cuesta is the director. I'm probably saying that very wrong. 45 on Metacritic. Um, I thought a little better than 45, but not much. Like, maybe I would have gone probably 50. After the death of his girlfriend at the hands of terrorists, Mitch Rapp is drawn into the world of counterterrorism, mentored by Tough as Nails former U.S. Navy SEAL Stan Hurley. Uh, I really enjoyed Michael Keaton in this movie. Um, I think Dylan... I forgot his name already. Dylan O'Brien has... Uh, pretty solid potential as an action star he is in the maze runner movies um he's the lead character i believe in the main the maze runner films um i only saw the first one of that though so i don't know i don't really remember it and i haven't seen the second one but i thought he was good in this i didn't think he was fantastic and it's a pretty bland spy movie but if you like those it's probably right up your alley not not something to skip if you're into that type of stuff because i think it i think it hits all the beats very well it's just it does exactly what you would expect the movie to do. It doesn't do anything spectacular. There is maybe a little surprise in it, but it, it wasn't a surprise. It was like, oh, this made this movie amazing. It was just like, oh, they did that, huh? All right. And the last movie coming out on home video is already out on VOD. And I didn't know about this movie, but um, so frequent writer for the website uh, Big Tuna um recommended this he got this through uh, uh the studio i don't remember who the studio is at the top of my head but he had a screener for it and it's a um horror comedy called better watch out um i think he said it was a horror comedy now it just lists itself as a horror thriller on uh, imdb but has a 66 on metacritic um on a quiet suburban street a babysitter must defend a 12 year old boy from intruders only to discover it's far from a normal home invasion um, and I believe it has a Christmas theme to it because there's the kids wearing a Christmas sweater and the box art looks like there's a Christmas tree in the background. So um, stars Olivia De Jong, Levi Miller, Ed Oxenbold, Alec Mickick. I don't know how to say. Any. Oh, wait, Patrick Warburton's in it, though. I remember he told me that I'm a big fan of Patrick Warburton um, and Virginia Madsen are, I think, the big names in this film. Uh, directed by Chris Peckover. Um, I'm not familiar with his work. Looks like he hasn't done too much yet. But, um, yeah, Big Tuna recommends it. So, uh, of the four movies, this one's got my attention the most. Same. I, 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 if it, he, I swear he said it was a horror comedy. I could be misquoting it, him, though. But I feel like you could be right. I mean, how often do they correctly categorize that? True. Sorry, IMDb. 
And I would say Patrick... I think it has to be one or the other. Yeah, and Patrick Warburton doesn't do too many serious things that I can think of. He's usually doing comedic roles because uh, he's got that great voice. You know, he was on... Um, he was the first live-action tick, and then he was... Um, just shoot... No? Rules of Engagement, I think, was the TV sitcom he was on with uh, David Spade that I found very entertaining. Um, not amazing, but I, I enjoyed many of the, the episodes. Um, and he's been on a bunch I, of stuff. He's, I think he's the voice of Joe on Family Guy. And, um, yeah, so he, he generally is re- connected to comedy. So I also feel like um, it has a 66 Metascore, which I feel like is not bad for, for a horror movie. Uh, yeah, no, not at all. I mean, it's I don't think it's going to be like a revolutionary horror film, but I think, uh, you know, Big Tuna said it's entertaining. Now, I will say – I don't always agree with Big Tuna's uh, point of view on movies. Um, is but... he the rubber? No, the no, no, no. Keith, who did one of the early episodes of Top 5 with us, oh, Keith yeah, is I know the, Keith. the fan of the bad movies. Sean, um, Big Tuna, more often, um, he seems to have this, uh, like, it's not always. That's the thing. It's not a consistent like more often than not, we agree on movies. Like he, we love a lot of the same things. But every once in a while, there's a movie that either most people love and he can't stand, or he's like, "Oh, it's fun," and everybody else hates, kind of thing. Like, no, no. Um, but it's not. It's not many movies. So I, in no way am I discrediting. He's got a lot of taste. I think he's a little more forgiving about some things that I'm not, and vice versa. There's things that I like. He hated Justice League, where I found it to be fine. Um, I didn't think it was great. But I definitely didn't hate it, and he hated like every minute of it, um, which is not really as uncommon as some of the other reviews. There was one we were talking about today, and I can't remember what it is now, where I really liked it, I think, and he did not, or it could have been the other way around. I can't remember, but nonetheless, um, there more often than not, we see eye to eye, so I'm going to give Better Watch Out a go. That's the movie I'm picking out of the four. And we've got... One movie that's coming to wide release next oh. week, but two that are getting releases, but I think it's going to just be California and New York, uh, maybe Chicago. Um, but I want to talk about them because I want to see these other movies. But we'll start with the big wide release that everybody is going to be able to see. It is a action comedy. Um, with It's a, it's another old, old actor comedy. This is a, becoming a trend, apparently. Uh, we got Morgan Freeman, we got Tommy Lee Jones, and we got Rene Russo um, starring in Just Getting Started. Um, if you haven't seen the trailer for this yet, the premise is kind of silly. Two um, hand, wait, A two-hander action comedy in the vein of Midnight Run about an ex-FBI agent, Tommy Lee Jones, and an ex-mob lawyer in the Witness Protection Program, Morgan Freeman, having to put aside their petty rivalry on the golf course to fend off a mob hit. Um, directed and written by Ron Shelton, who I am not familiar with by name, but it looks like he's connected to uh, White Man Can't Jump and Bad Boys 2. I don't like Bad Boys 2, but I am a big fan of White Man Can't Jump. Um, that has been a fan of... Oh, he, he directed Tin Cup, which is a great film as well. I mean, great being as a sports movie, I enjoy it very much. But um, And Bull Durham. So he's got some good stuff under his belt. Uh, the trailer for this looks funny. So I, I'm I'm definitely gonna check this out. I have very low expectations, but um, there's nothing else coming out for sure next week. So I'm like, hey, why not? 
What is that other movie that came out with the three bank robbers? Uh, well, they weren't even really go, going in style. Um, so why do they keep having these ha ha ha, you know, names like just getting started? They're old. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, exactly. Sorry. Well, going in style kind of fits the old motif. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you, but that movie's actually good though. Um, and that was a remake. Going in style was a remake. Uh, but it was Zach oh. Braff directed. Um, and you have Michael Caine, Alan Arkin, and uh, Morgan Freeman again, actually. Um, and but man, Alan Arkin cracks me up. So I'm. I, I love him. Yeah. Um, and I Michael Caine. It's Michael Caine. You know, it might as well. I mean, you have yes. Michael Caine and Morgan Freeman in a movie. You're almost thinking Chris Nolan's directing, but instead it was Zach Braff, who, again, I I've liked all three of the Zach Braff directed films that I have seen. Um, uh, Garden State, Wish You Were Here, I think is what it's called. I always screw that one yep. up. Um, and then Going in Style, I, I've enjoyed all all of them. Uh, this is the or- first one though that Braff is not in; uh, he's just directing. Um, but he does bring Zoe King, who I am a big fan of as well. Um, you know her from The Conjuring and uh, Wish You Were Here. Um, and recently wish upon, but wish I was here, wish I were here. See, I always do that. It's wish you were here is a, a Pink Floyd song, I think, um, or an incubus song or something, but both, I think, or both. Um, but, uh, going in style, I thought was very good. So just getting started. I, I like Tommy Lee Jones. I like Morgan Freeman and I'm a big Renee Russo fan. Um, and I, I don't remember the last time I saw her in anything. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to give it a go. Uh, I have again, low expectations. So maybe it'll win me over. Now, these other two movies that are coming out, I don't know how many theaters they're going to be in. Uh, you're going to want to watch your local box office. One I've heard amazing things about, and that's the one we'll start with, which is I, Tanya. You know, <gasps> you know what this is? Yes, it's about the Tanya Harding scan- it is, scandal, right? It uh, stars Margot Robbie as Tanya Harding, Allison Janney <sighs> as LaVon Golden, um, Sebastian Sands in this, Bobby Cannavale, um, McKenna Grace, uh... I don't know these other people by name, so I'm going to just skip over them. But I heard from some local critics that Allison Janney should get and most likely will win the uh, Supporting Actress Oscar um, this year for this performance. Um, It is about Tanya Harding. Uh, Competitive ice skater Tanya Harding rises uh, amongst the ranks of the U.S. figure skating championships, but her future in the activity is thrown into doubt when her ex-husband intervenes. Um, It's a biodrama sport according to IMDb, and currently sitting with a 77 Metascore, but with only 10 reviews. So there's definitely room for it to go down or up. Um, but a 7.6 IMDb score with a 708 uh, reviews. So I, I'm generally, I've enjoyed Margot Robbie. I love Allison Janney, though. Like, huge, big fan of hers. Um, and again, the the people that I know personally who've seen this have uh, given it a lot of praise. So... I'm I'm all in. Um, I don't know when it's going to be in a theater near me, but keep an eye out if you're interested in good indie films, especially one on a, a biopic about you know. I remember that happening because my grandparents I do too. were huge figure skating fans. So like my mom and dad. Yeah, it, big like, deal in our house when it happened. It's just nuts. Uh, I think that this will be really interesting. I want to see this also. It sounds like they're taking it as though she was innocent on the the yeah, act, and that's interesting. But I. Thought that she signed him up for that. This is probably her, like her story kind of thing, you know, like her denying it. Um, but I'm definitely, I want to see it. I want to uh, see what this is about. I haven't actually even watched the trailer for this yet. So, um, the next movie I don't know much about, and it seems like it, it must have been on a shelf for a while because of who's in it. 
I don't know when they would have had time to make this, but it's November Criminals. Um, it's a crime drama mystery. A teenager takes on his own investigation of a murder in Washington, D.C. Um, the reason I'm even talking about this, it uh, stars Chloe Grace Moretz, Ansel Elgort, Catherine Keener, um, who've all had, you know, I'm a fan of all three of them, and obviously Catherine Keener and Ansel Elgort have had a big year uh, with Get Out and Baby Driver, respectively. Um, so it's not getting good scores from users. It doesn't have a meta score yet, but it's got a 5.3 IMDb score out of like 1,200 views, so it's definitely been in some festivals, I would imagine. Um, directed by Sasha Gervasi, um, who... Oh, did he direct a Hitchcock movie? Yeah, he did. He directed Hitchcock um, in 2012, Anvil, the story of Anvil, and then that looks like it so far, but he's got a few writing credits. Um, yeah, I don't know how good it will be, but I am, I'm a fan of the performers, so I'm going to give it a go. It looks like he wrote Terminal in 2004. Um, oh! it's Tom Hanks makes that movie very tolerable. It's not great, but it's Tom Hanks, so... Um, yeah, I, I like Chloe Grace, even though she's kind of fallen off the last couple of things I've seen her. I've not been as impressed with, um, Ansel, I've only seen him in baby driver, but I love him as baby. So I'm kind of in on that. B-A-B-Y baby. Um, and <laughs> then favorite. Catherine Keener is great in everything I've seen her in. So, um, all right. And I know this guy, David, David straight. Straithern, Straithern, he looks familiar. Yeah, he looks like he's in a bunch of stuff. But yeah, I don't know how good it will be, but I'm I'm in to give it a go if it comes near me. I this looks like it's going to end up being a straight to DVD type situation for me though. I don't know if it's going to hit anywhere uh, local, but it's official release date according to um, Box Office Mojo and I think IMDb uh, is the eighth. So there you go. Most likely, you're only going to be able to see uh, just getting started. However, there's a chance that Shape of Water will be expanding. Um, Florida Project's still growing and going to more spots. Lady Bird's expanding. Um, Disaster Artist will probably be expanding. Uh, if those movies come to you locally and you haven't had the chance to see them yet, I recommend those. I haven't seen Shape of Water myself, but I'm I'm very excited to get to see that as soon as it gets near me. I- I'm... I'm a little confused. November Criminals it shows that you can rent you can rent it on Amazon right now. Yeah, that's not as uncommon with some of these. Um I'm not sure who the distributor is, but a lot of these smaller indie films um mm. will do a theatrical release for a variety of reasons. Um one to qualify for an uh. Oscar, although I don't see this likely doing that. Um but there's just, you know, you want you want a theatrical release for uh various reasons um and then uh same same day vod is not uncommon now um and it could even be i don't know if it's an amazon studios thing but oh word it might yeah if i don't know i I felt like we recently spoke about this movie but i couldn't remember when i sent you i sent you a screenshot of it because i was like what's this yes that's right because i know we both like baby driver but you like chloe grace moretz a lot I do. Um, or at least I did. She, I think as she's getting older, her passion for acting seems to be waning um, quite a bit. But at least on screen, it feels that way. All right. Well, that's what's coming out. Uh, Corey, are you going to go see Just Getting Started? 
No, probably okay. not. I will, and I, my review will be up next week. Um, thank you, Movie Pass, for allowing me to comfortably go see movies that I don't yes. necessarily care for, um, and for only not working once. Thank you. <laughs> Let's talk Yay. about uh, the movie of the week. Um, my first time seeing Planes, Trains, and Automobiles from 1987, uh, directed and written by John Hughes, stars Steve Martin, John Candy. And realistically, that's it. Everybody else is barely in the movie. It's really these two guys. Um, but you have Layla Robbins, Michael McCain, Dylan Baker, Carol Bruce, uh, Olivia Burnett, Diana Douglas. I don't know most of these people. Larry Hankin, who was the uh, ups- downstairs neighbor from Friends for uh, the first couple seasons. Um, and oh. I, don't, I don't know any of these other people. But um, Yes, you do. Matthew Lawrence. Where? He was the son. Oh, wow. And I was most excited because I hadn't recognized her when I watched it before, but his daughter Marty is Olivia Burnett, who played as the main character in The Torkelsons, the show that I've talked about before that only had two seasons on Disney that I loved so much, and oh. I didn't realize that was her. <laughs> I didn't. It's like, I recognize that face. I didn't realize Mr. Uh, Joey Lawrence's brother was in this, but um, okay, yeah, but but realistically... It's mainly uh, it's it's Steve Martin and John Candy. This is their show. Um, everyone else is just in the in the background or or passing by kind of thing. It's it's all about these two guys. Um, mm-hmm. The movie has a seventy two Metacritic, seven point six user rating, and it's one um, I've heard about for a long, long time, and just never saw for some reason. Like I mean, when it came out, I was five, um, and this is for a long time when I thought John Hughes, I strictly thought the teen dramas like. Um, when he he died when we, we were working together at Fye, uh, it was so sad. And that was when I kind of became aware of all the movies that I'd already seen of his, um, or knew about but didn't know they were his. Like I I had seen Home Alone one and two, didn't know he was connected to them. I didn't know he was connected to Uncle Buck until he died. Loved Uncle Buck. Um, and then this movie was another one so, that I didn't know about. I didn't realize that he had John Candy in at least three of his movies then. Are you counting Home Alone, Uncle Buck, and this? Yes. Mm. Even, yes. I mean, in Home Alone, I mean, that's not a big part, but still. It's not a big part, but it is a vital part, and it's also a super memorable part. His character mm-hmm. comes in and is Polka. like a dynamo. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yes. It's it's very hard to forget him. There's a, some of his scenes, and even when he's talking about his son, they left him at a funeral parlor. And he, oh, he didn't, you know, after four or five weeks, he started talking again, and she just, like, loses it. <laughs> She's like, let's stop talking. <laughs> um, which, I guess, we'll we'll give our initial reaction. Now, Corey, you've seen this movie before, right? Yes. Is this a regular holiday watch for you, or you've just seen it once or twice before? Yeah, I can. I think I've only seen it once, and I think it was, like, last year or the year before, maybe. Oh, okay. Um, I love Steve Martin, so... I don't I don't know why I watched it, but probably because of him. But um yeah, I I liked it even more on this viewing though, because I feel like I feel like with without spoiling with the reveal in it that you when you watch it again you can pick up on more things that are kinda you know. Yeah. Well I have to, I had never seen it before except I think last year I was tuning into I think ABC Family or something like that 
to watch another Christmas movie that was coming on, and this was ending. And I caught the end when they go to Steve Martin's house. Um, I won't say anything more than that, but I caught that. And so I'd seen that scene, and only that scene. Um, I might, I actually, I think I'm wrong. I might have saw when they meet back up at the train station, and then the house. Um, and so I, I, I knew the big reveal that you just referred to, and um, I wasn't, you know, I, I am a John Candy fan. I think um, I haven't seen a lot of his movies, but like I, I. Uh, I'm a Star Wars nerd, and I love Mel Brooks, so I love Spaceballs. I haven't watched it in the last couple of years. I've heard a lot of people saying it doesn't hold up. Last time I saw it, I thought it held up just fine. I found it still funny. Um, I also like Robin Hood Men in Tights, um, so maybe I'm just I, I just like what Mel Brooks does. But um, you know, he's he's uh, Barf in Spaceballs, so I know John Candy very well from that. Um, and I obviously Home Alone, as we mentioned, and I saw Uncle Buck as a kid. I haven't watched it um, again though in a long time, so I don't remember it very, very well. And I'm sure I saw him in other small parts because he would bounce around in different movies. Um, but I had not seen this one. And now Steve Martin, um, I I like his movies. I think I haven't seen a lot of them. As a kid, I saw Roxanne, um, and I remember it very much because. I was, for some reason, very familiar with Sergio Debergiac. Is that the right thing? I, you know, the the guy who hid and like said the poetry to the other guy, or whatever. Like, I was very familiar with that premise. So, I saw that movie as a kid for some reason. Um, I saw Parenthood and I saw Father of the Bride. Um, I I don't think I ever saw Three Amigos all the way through. I've seen bits and pieces of that. I have it. I haven't watched it. I'm not always um, a big Chevy Chase fan. I'm very small doses with Chevy Chase. I, uh, The Jerk. <laughs> Still haven't seen that. <laughs> Which I haven't, I didn't see until I think Bill showed it to me maybe like 10 years ago. I don't know. Bill was like, you gotta watch this movie. And I was like, what? And then it was hilarious. Um, and then he started out as a stand up comedian. That I know. And I, you know, um, I don't know how much of, I've seen some <laughs> of his bits. Um, I don't think I've seen any of his full performances or heard any of his full performances. Something I need to probably remedy as a lot of the comedians that I am a fan of, uh, you know, he's one of their like influences almost always like Chris Hardwick's and talked about him being an influence. Um, I mean, he influenced a lot of today's comedians, so I need to go back and check out some of his stuff. I only have one and it's pretty hilarious. And you also like his uh, his music, though, right? Like his um, bluegrass. Um, I I am more a fan of his novels than necessarily oh. his music. But I would go see him live in any capacity I could. Like, however, okay. I could be in a room with him. I would. Well, um, that sounded a little inappropriate. Sorry. <laughs> Whoa, uh, Steve Martin's like. <laughs> Martin. You're gonna be getting some emails on contact at burkreviews.com. Um, no. Just forward them to my personal email. Right, no problem. Uh, let's give our initial impressions, and then we will get into the spoilers. I think. Um, you said you liked it more the second time around, <laughs> and uh, this is my first full viewing. Um, I definitely enjoyed it a lot, and I could easily see rewatching this. Um, mm-hmm. I found it to be funny. Uh, uh, there was a couple of scenes where I was it was very funny where I was like laughing 
probably obnoxiously loud in my house. Uh, I'm, I don't laugh super loud in theaters usually, but at home I have a tendency to let it let it just flow. Um, and I was laughing pretty loud at a couple of moments for sure. And uh, I found it also you know endearing and touching, which is what you want from a holiday a holiday movie, right? You want it to have a little bit of heart. Um, it did have a little bit of a like a a cheesy vibe at times, but. I would say endearing cheesy, you know, and 80s cheesy too. Like there's definitely a, the 80s are are embedded on this movie. I was really uh, I was really surprised at some of the language. <laughs> Actually, I didn't remember. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Whoa." Oh, that was one of my favorite scenes when he uh yeah, it was the rental so car. Funny. Yes. <laughs> um I especially liked her delivery at the end of it. Um <laughs> I, I oh man that just, the way yes. she delivers that line was so spot on. Uh, uh, uh. Honestly, I don't want them to remake this or anything, but like if this movie, I would like almost a sequel, um, in the sense not not of the same characters, even just I like I like road trip movies. In fact, I did notice um, I've I've been a huge Tommy Boy fan for a long time, and I definitely see where Tommy Boy pulled some of the the bits from this movie. Uh, it feels like to me. Um, I mean, even just the the character setup. You have the the big goofy kind of ditzy one, and then the very wow. serious, skinny, you know, uh, businessman type. You know what I mean? Like, um, mm-hmm. and then some of the the way the the cars get treated and things like that. They are not identical, of course, but similar in that way. But just um, imagine this movie. You know, add in cell phones um, and how that changes some of the dynamics and uh like instead of the taxi scene at the beginning it's an uber thing you know um just kind of updating it would be interesting i guess is what i'm saying it is i I didn't even put it together but this is a 30 year uh (gasps) right is it 30 yeah 30 year uh anniversary for this movie too so um way to go dropping the ball hey i didn't Um, drop it yet i just i just made the shot oh no oh no (laughs) i mean um oh god who is it that does all the classic movies is it a that rescreens them in the theaters. Oh, uh, Fathom Events. Fathom, yeah. Way to drop the ball, Fathom. I wonder. I wonder if we missed it or if they are doing it this month. It, it is a Thanksgiving holiday film, and that should be noted. Um, although you could easily the the word Thanksgiving is a throwaway. You know, what I mean, like it's it could be any holiday. Steve Martin's trying to get home to his family on a holiday. It really doesn't matter. I don't think which holiday, as much as him trying to get home to them. And it being, like, near impossible, it seems, to get there. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't want to have to travel in and out of Chicago around a holiday. No, especially that close to the holiday. But that said, Corey. Dun, dun, dun. Spoiler warnings. You can go check out this movie and then give us a listen. Or if we'll see him ahead, we will probably talk about this movie in great detail. You've been warned. So John Candy's wife is dead. So that's a spoiler. If you didn't listen to Corey's warning, <sighs> shame on you. Oh, <laughs> um, <sighs> uh, and but I, I should I should say Del Griffith, who is John Candy's character's wife, is dead. I don't know it for sure about John Candy's marriage life, um, and if she's still alive, I apologize for the way I said that. But um, that's a bit in the movie that we it's hinted at heavily. And I, I'm pretty sure I knew going into this movie that that was going to happen or that we would find out that he was alone. I at least knew he was alone. I, I may not have known why he was alone, but I definitely knew he was alone. But the way he talks about his wife is never in the past tense. No, 
Um, there's a few little hints throughout the movie. Um, one, him so tell me. longingly staring at the picture. Um, that he sets up by his bedside. Correct. Um, the amount of luggage that he carries does seem more than a just a traveling excessive. salesman, like that big trunk, you know, I, which I kind of felt like that was a letdown because we never see what's in the trunk, right? Like there's never like a moment where it's like this big reveal that his, everything he owns is in the trunk or anything like that. It's just, it's just large and excessive. And, um, I figured it was all this shower curtain rings. Cause he seems to have plenty to he sell. He does seem to have a lot of those. So you might be right. Um, cause I don't know where he was getting those. Um, that's a funny scene too, by the way, when he's selling, uh, the shower curtain, uh, rings as earrings, <laughs> as earrings. And, and just, Oh man, he could definitely sell, um, which is, I guess, another Tommy Boy connection to me is the idea of like sales, traveling salesmen, essentially, um, different items, but nonetheless, there. But um, there's uh, there was a moment where he says something about, "Oh, uh, I haven't been home." In fact, they flash back to all of them at the end, yeah, uh, when Steve Martin kind of realizes. Uh, but I like with that, I haven't been home in a long time. Like, I feel like maybe. He just travels a lot, and it was the tone and what he said it, and then um, even when he initially said it, Steve Martin's character, whose name I need to start referring to rather than Steve Martin, Neil, Neil reacts, and he's like, "Oh no, I just mean it feels like forever." Um, like he covers it up, and the way John Candy sells it, it's a very subtle performance, um, but it's all in his face. Like you can see the kind of sadness, and then he kind of sh- like shakes it off and tries to come back to the guy we've seen throughout the movie. Um, where he's a little more, you know, chipper and doesn't seem to let anything get him down. Or at least that's the uh, the imagery he tries to play. And he is, it's one of those movies where um, it's weird because Steve Martin's kind of the straight man in this movie. Um, you know, he's more serious and, and on he's so intense and uh, just on edge, like from the get-go. Like when we first meet him, he's sitting in in a meeting, like tapping his watch looking at his plane ticket anxiously trying to you know wanting to leave which i don't blame him mind I you feel like i feel like this is one of those like not occurrences but one of those situations where the way that someone really is like is in real life comes through in the characters they play because almost every single character that he plays is that kind of character and i feel like that would be him you know what i mean yeah but agreed, but also I can, I can, and maybe that means that I'm that kind of person, but I can identify with a lot of the things that upset him throughout oh, the movie. True. Yeah. No, that's not my issue at all. No, I, Neil, I totally get why Neil is upset. And, and Dell is, while friendly, is obnoxious. Um, like when they end up sitting next to each other on the plane and he just won't shut up and then. And uh, takes her shoes off. Oh my God. Yes. And the socks. And the socks, like, he goes, oh, no, no, it's so, oh, and it's not even like he took them off, like, on the ground where they're, like, away from you. Maybe you don't even notice that they're off. He lifts his foot towards Steve Martin's character, pulls his shoe off, and then his sock. And it was also, oh, those dogs are barking. Like, you're like, oh, my God, Um, which only gets worse when they have to share a hotel room, and he's a total slob. And then they end up spooning, which is, you know, predictable, so but still funny. So funny, though. So funny. Um, Where's your hand love- between two pillows? <laughs> oh, sorry, pillows. <laughs> like, oh, my God. I, and I, 
I think that the first time I watched it, I didn't realize how funny this movie is. Yeah, and um, I also I really like uh, again another Tommy Boy similarity. And keep in mind, I I am very aware Tommy Boy was after, so Tommy Boy would have borrowed this. But the the straight man is going to you know lighten up by the end of the movie, and Neil's Neil's transformation is very very believable because even even when he's like really mad at at Dell, there's uh, at the hotel room he really rips into him super hard like and it's it's very very hard yeah and and Dell's reaction i actually really like too because he's very like screw you you know screw you like this is me this is the person i am yeah and And that like i think i really like i with Dell's character he doesn't want to like affect other people with his sadness and he really does care about other people yes and he really goes out of his way to help people, and we do see how that does come back a few times, and it ends up helping them out. Maybe it's not the most ideal situation, yeah. You know that it could be, but it does get them ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's he's because he. I think the idea is that he kind of accepts everybody for who they are. Um. So like that hotel that he gets them basically a good deal on a room or he whatever the guy is very happy to see him again kind of thing. The hotel is shady. <laughs> it's a shifty hotel with the massaging finger beds and the the kid who breaks into their room and steals all their cash. Um, it's that a, kid made off with like a grand. Yeah, he did. He hit the right room. Um, and so quiet apparently that he, neither of them woke up. But, um. Like it's a shady room, but Dell doesn't judge that guy. Dell's super friendly towards that guy. You know, he's not like, oh, this is a crappy hotel, but it's the best we can get. You know, he's just happy to to have anybody to talk to. Um, and he does have all those connections. Like I just because mm-hmm. believe because he's just nice to everybody. He takes everybody for who they are. Um, and honestly, the scene in when they first meet, I actually I really like the meeting that he trips over the the trunk. And you see the yes. name, and then that he gets in the taxi while he's paying the other guy for, like Neil is paying some random guy for for a cab, uh, so that he can get to the airport on time. And John Candy like sneaks in and steals it, not knowing. But if Steve Martin hadn't ripped the door open and yelled at him, I, he would have without question shared the cab. You know what I mean? He, yeah. He probably would have made him pay for it, but he would have let him in the cab for sure. You know, because that's. That's the type of guy Dell is, but he got scared because some guy you stole my cab, and um, and then they end up on the plane together. So like that kind of how uh, even before they end up sitting next to each other on the plane, the sitting across from each other, waiting for the plane is a you know a tense little moment where he's like, I know you right, and he's like, you stole my cab, and he's like, I've never stole anything in my life, which um comes back later when the money goes missing, and initially he wants to blame him, um. He does technically steal his credit card, but it was it was the hotel man's uh, fault. Um, I don't know if you like. I caught that they were. Yeah, he like picked it up out of the little card charger. But it wasn't even his fault. He didn't hand the card back. Steve Martin reached for the card, and he didn't. He got confused. Um, So Mm. it was technically his fault. But uh, you know those scenes are all funny. But let's let's get to the the scene we can't quote. But the scene where uh, oh, yes. Steve Martin rents a car, gets we dropped can off. Quote it. This <laughs> yeah. is movie club. Um, gets dropped off at the shuttle, <laughs> or by the shuttle for the car, and the car is not there. He tries to get the shuttle's attention, but it has left him. So he has to walk all the way across. But first, 
But first, we get everything thrown on the ground. He's wailing around and throwing his yeah. arms. You're messing with the wrong yeah. guy. <laughs> I'm like, you're having a meltdown right now. Yeah, he is. You're fine to mess with. Oh, my God. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Um, but so then he marches into the into the, the car rental place and gets to the counter where the woman is on a phone, a personal phone call. And chipper and friendly um, as all get out. Uh, and finally he gets to her and he just starts dropping the F-bomb. Like, I in this and in that and you're going to give me this effing thing. And she's like, well, sir, I don't appreciate your language. And um, the it's funny there because he's so intense and it's so not what I expect from Steve Martin. That, that many, especially up to that point, there hadn't been that much cursing in the movie. But boy, they earned the R rating right here. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, She's like, I just need your uh, your papers or something like that. I don't remember her exact words. Your rental agreement. Your rental agreement. And he's like, I don't have it. I ripped it up. And she's like, oh, well, you're effed. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but like so calm. Yeah, but when she drops the Oh, F-word, well, I guess you're effed. It's so great. It's... <laughs> and her little chipper. Yep. Yeah. And she, she that was winning the argument. You know what I mean? Like she had it in her eyes. She's like, oh, you're going to regret talking to me like you just did. <laughs> You have yes. no power here, sir. Get out of here. You shall not pass. Um, yeah, that scene is hilarious and uh, definitely memorable. It's not finished though, because then he goes outside. Oh yeah, and is talking to—is it a guy that's doing the train or bus? I think it's the bus. Or maybe it's a taxi because it's going to cost a lot of money. Okay, it could be a taxi. And- and then he's like, it'll be so much cheaper if you blah, blah, blah. And I don't remember exactly how it happens, but he, Steve Martin gets punched in the junk. Yeah. He, well, first he gets punched in the face. Yes. And he gets, oh, and then he's dragged. Okay. He's almost killed by Dell, who has got a car and just manages to stop the brakes. And then the guy, he like, help me up. And he grabs him by the nuts and drags him away. <laughs> Which you, you barely see that, but it gets referenced later. And Steve Martin's talking a good octave higher than he normally does. <laughs> it sounded like he had helium. Yeah, it was really funny. Like, oh man, it's a it's an old joke, mind you, but it's it still worked. Uh, the whole you know the higher voice because you got hit in the nuts thing. Um, but uh, then my favorite part, which is the part that I think that reminded me of Tommy Boy the most, is when the car gets. Um, they they end up driving in the wrong direction. Uh, They're crazy. I, I love the the people trying to warn them and they're <laughs> just like they're drunk. <laughs> they're so drunk. Oh man, it's so freaking funny. Um, and they they end up like driving just barely between two semis and it like scrapes the side of the car, and the trunk goes flying off the trunk like the big giant like suitcase trunk is strapped to the trunk of the car and it takes that flips over um cars are honking at them and they end up like moving it to the side of the road they're just sitting on the trunk catching their breath and then the car catches on fire (laughs) from a cigarette but he had thought he thought he threw out the window but it went in the back oh man it's such it's it's a combination of tommy boy with the deer and then later when the hood pops up and they wreck the... Because they leave the oil thing in there. I love that scene. Yeah. Um, uh, and then they are sitting on the trunk and they just lose it. 
they're just um, they're laughing so hard because what else are they gonna do? And I'm laughing harder because of that scene, the way they react and the way the way he films it, the way that Hughes frames that shot is so great because you're like looking at them looking back over the shoulder, but you just see like the fire going and they kind of double take like, is that happening? That's freaking happening. <laughs> and, and of course, we know Steve Martin's wallet's in the glove box because he was very emphatic. Don't let me forget to take this out because I'll forget if you don't remind me. So you're like, oh my God, all of his credit cards are in there. And I love that they drive the burnt car. <laughs> and they get stopped by a policeman. Yeah. Oh, that's, is that at this point? That's this is later. a little later. That's later. That's after they stay in the hotel. <laughs> and John Candy sitting in the burnt car with snow coming down. Oh, poor guy. But Steve Martin let him in. He does. Neil he, does. And honestly, he does that throughout the movie. So every time Neil does something really mean or where you're like, man, what a jerk. He's going to ditch Dell. He almost always does something Gives to redeem it. himself. Um, like when the train breaks down because they're on a train together and the train breaks down and Dell is dragging his um, suitcase. Well, my dog's not happy about something. Dell's like dragging his suitcase. He walks up and picks it up, you know, and mm-hmm. and carries the other end. Like, and there's no reason for him to do that. And there's tons of other people there too. No one else was offering to help Dell. And Neil has every reason at that point to not help Dell. But does and like uh, that's throughout the film. So every time Neil does something where you're like, "Man, this guy's a jerk," he does something to redeem himself in a way that you're like, "He's not a jerk. He just really wants to get home to his family. He's already been frustrated. You can tell he misses his family um, because even when he calls him on the phone, they're they're disappointed, but he's equally disappointed. Like I never got the vibe that this was some a hole guy who doesn't want to be with his family. This is a guy who desperately just wants to see his wife and kids and. His job, for whatever reason, keeps him away from that, and you you get you relate to him. You're sim- sympathetic the whole film, even when he's being a super jerk. You, you get those little touches where you kind of I understand, you know. So and honestly, today is a good example of that because that's how I've felt all day. Like I know I'm being meaner to people than I want to be, and I don't know why, but. I'm aware that you know when I'm aware when I when I do something that's kind of like oh I shouldn't have snapped like that or I shouldn't have been so short, and I try to make an effort to not necessarily even apologize, just show that I don't mean any harm. You know what I mean? Like, don't mind me. I'm just having a rough day, and that's kind of the vibe I get from Neil, especially by the end of the movie. You definitely see that he's not heartless at all, and. That's the big reveal at the the end when um, he has the revelation. Uh, they they're separating on the train, which it's always awkward when you've spent a lot of time with somebody and now you're just like leaving because it's like, Bye. yeah, you want it, you really are ready to go, but at the same time you don't want like you did enjoy the ride. You like overall, even though all the craziness, they clearly bonded, you know, and that mm-hmm. that goodbye at the train station is very awkward and, and uh, very touching though at the same time. And then that revelation while he's sitting on the train and he realizes that uh, Dell has nowhere to go. And um, when Dell reveals that my wife's been dead for eight years, it's it's a tough oh. sell. Um, you know, it's it's a hard thing to say. It does feel a little maybe too much. Like maybe eight years was too big. Like. Like at eight years, like oh my god, your your story is beyond tragic. Like you need grief counseling. Like you need to move on. Like with your, you have to like not start dating, but like you have to get your stuff in order. You know, because clearly he doesn't have his stuff in order. 
Um, and so it's he's a tragic character at that point. And understandably so. I mean, he's clearly broken by his wife's death. Well, she loved him as he was. She did. And that's when he talks about her, you, it's it's so endearing. Because I, I, honestly, I'm not like, this is a fictional story, so I'm going to say this because it's fictional. I'm glad the writing was that she had died and not left him. You know, because yeah. I like the idea that she was a good person versus she they he loved her unconditionally and she cheated on him with somebody or something. You know, I much prefer yeah. this take because it could have you could have gone that route where, well, my wife left me eight years ago and I, I've been traveling, uh, traveling salesman ever since. And it could have you know could have gone really into the skids with that. where like, oh, she left me for my boss at the, the shower you know, ring manufacturer, you know what I mean? Like it could have been really bad. And while it's, it's much sadder to have killed off the wife, it means I think more because their love was true. And it's, it's makes him all the more sad of a character, all more of a tragic story. Um, I, I cried. I, I teared up because again, family stuff uh, gets me. Um, and I also I love when they get home and he brings he brings him and how the kids are with him and they're all super friendly to him too like uh, I was concerned with that that they were going to be like who's this why did you bring him or whatever but they're they couldn't be more welcoming and and seeing Neil and his wife embrace is is important because it proves that he isn't a bad guy he's never been a bad guy he just wanted to get home to his family and she says hello nice to meet you Mr. Griffith yep and even the man John Candy, I I I don't think I appreciated him enough as an actor. Like he is a tremendous actor. Like he's funny, but man, he does he pull the drama too though. Like when he's supposed to be serious, like that moment, like when he shakes her hand, there is so much emotion in his face. You know, like you can see, I I'm grateful. Um, I'm I'm genuinely like excited to meet you. Like there's so much emotion in his in his little handshake that you don't get from other actors now and it's it's man it really makes me want to go through and kind of watch his movies again with a new light because even in home alone he has that small part but he's he's powerful when he's on screen and man uh this movie is i think this movie is going to make its way into my uh annual rotations um especially because there's not a lot of thanksgiving movies and i think i might start uh, a tradition where i watch this the night before thanksgiving was the night before Thanksgiving and all through the car trains and <laughs> and plane, everyone was preparing for food coma freaking with... out um oh no but uh i i don't have anything else specific i want to talk about is there anything else you want to mention no if you haven't watched it watch it uh, and i i would say um i'm going to alter our scale slightly cuz this is this is an exception to a movie um, this isn't an all-the-time movie. This is um, in our theme for the month of December. Everything we watch this month is going to be holiday-themed. In fact, I decided we're going to tell you ahead of time. The the entire slate of films we'll be watching this month. Um, but I would say for a holiday film, it's a must-watch. I I always pull up the ratings to look at them when we give our... Uh-huh. Um, I will say must-see film, too, because I think that even if you are short on time or money, you should still give this one a watch. Yeah, Again, at the holidays. I would say, like, it's a good comedy. I think the comedy would hold up any time of the year because, again, it could be about any 
like holiday because there's a no holiday. there's no Christmas music. There's no like over the top holiday beating you over the head. It's just the idea of getting home, which could be any time. Mm-hmm. I mean, that could be the weekend. You know, um, the only thing that puts it in this holiday season really is the weather. It's snowing, and that's why the plane is delayed. Um, all right, so Corey and I both love planes, trains, and automobiles. Now this month, um, we were doing holiday movies. And each each movie that we're seeing, one of us hasn't seen. Um, Corey had seen Planes, Trains. I had not. Um, I we're next week for next week's episode. We're going to be watching Polar Express, which I have seen. I can't even tell you how many times Corey has never seen Polar Express. And I even bought it last year. Now, there's a lot about this movie. I don't know. Um, I know probably too much about this movie because it is kind of uh, it's polarizing uh pun intended um it's motion capture and you're familiar with that technology right you are uh you've seen the rise of the planet of the apes and uh you've seen lord of the rings right Uh, yeah andy circus is the master of motion cap uh he is Gollum in that he is uh caesar in in the planet of the apes movies and is so, he in this movie too? He is not. No. Um, but this okay. is the first ever fully animated film done with motion capture, meaning they're not drawn in the traditional sense. They are uh, acted by actual actors, um, and then computer uh, computer generated um, animation is put over top of their performance. And so you are looking at the face of a computer generated version. Of Josh Hutcherson, who is Peta Malark in the Hunger Games movies, among other things. He's in the Disaster Artist, in fact. Um, he is our your main character. However, Tom Hanks does the voice of Hero Boy, who is the Josh Hutcherson character. None of the characters have names. Um, he is the father. He is the conductor. He's the hobo. He is Scrooge. And he is Santa Claus in this movie. That's all Tom Hanks. Uh, he's voice acting all of those people. Now, he does the motion capture performances for several of those characters, but he does not do the motion capture for Hero Boy. So this movie is unique in a lot of ways. Um, it, it looks... Some people hate the way it looks. I like it. I don't think it looks like... I don't want all of my animated movies to work, but it's such a distinctive feel for this movie that it really works for me. Um, the first time I saw it, I was a little, like, I think I saw it in 2005, so I was, you know, like, just out of college, and I had this kind of anti, like, family movie, animated movie kind of attitude, and I was kind of like, whatever, stupid Christmas movie. Um, and, Look at you now. Well, now I'm a family man, uh, and I've been watching this movie for years <laughs> with my with my daughter and my wife, who, my wife is a Christmas fanatic, and I gotta say... It's one of the things I love most about her. Um, it, she makes Christmas important, and I I always like this year. Honestly, Corey, it's December first. It does not feel anything like Christmas to me, and I've it had a doesn't. Christmas tree in my house for a month, and it's it's not feeling. I don't feel the the the, uh, the joy or spirit of it, and I'm I'm so desperately trying to feel it because I know how important it is to my wife and. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's missing. Something just has not clicked with me. It does not feel like Christmas. And um, I'm hoping that watching some of these movies is going to knock that out of me. Because I do love Christmas. I love I love the spirit of it. I love the idea of it. And Polar Express um, is also directed by Robert Zemeckis, if I didn't mention that, who's Back to the Future, Forrest Gump, 
uh, so many movies that are great, as long also many movies that are not. Uh, and this one again is on the fence. It's a 61 Metacritic, 6.6. I love some of the music from this movie in particular. I love Hot Chocolate, um, where Tom Hanks gets to sing that one, and some people hate it. Again, I love it. It's it's one of my favorite Christmas songs right now um, from this movie. And then Josh Groban has a song that's a little people. It's Josh Groban. It, it, people love it, and it is it's powerful. And this movie makes me tear up at the end every single time. So heads up. That's what we're watching next week, Polar Trust. I won't talk about every movie in such detail, but I had to talk a bit about what we'll be watching next week. A little hype for Corey. Um, the week after, we're going to be watching Home for the Holidays, which I've never seen. Uh, Corey, have you seen Home for the Holidays? Hold on. Is that the... Um, I feel like I have it. it has Holly... Holly Hunter. Uh, yep. directed, I've seen it once. Directed by Jodie Foster. Um, stars Holly Hunter and Bancroft. Robert Downey Jr. is in it. Um, Dylan McDermott and uh, I actually did oh Claire Danes is in it crap I hate that um <laughs> but I forgot uh, that she was in it um I I have not seen this movie and this one's been on my radar for a while now um so I figured I would add it to our holiday movie month um then we'll be watching the next two I have seen I can't even tell you how many times um and one of them is possibly. In, it's definitely in my top 50 movies of all time. And it might be in my top 20 movies of all time. And it's uh, in this order. So we're watching Polar Express next week. Home for the Holidays week after that. White Christmas, which Corey has never seen. And I can't wait to talk about it on the podcast because there are so many songs in this movie that I adore. Um, one of them I sing throughout the year. And I don't know why. It'll just pop in my head and I can't stop singing it. Um and I, there's some great performances in White Christmas. It's a fun movie. It's a little long. It, it feels long at times. But the parts that work, work so, so great. Um, but then the one that we're going to end the year with, the last movie for the first full year of Burke Reviews Movie Club. <gasps> and a Christmas film that Corey has never seen. And some <laughs> people would argue not a true Christmas movie either. It's a Wonderful Life. Um. I have seen, I used to watch this as a kid, and then I went a very long time not watching it. And two years ago, I bought it on Vudu and watched it um, alone. My wife wouldn't watch it. She was as much as she loves Christmas. She didn't have fond memories of it, and she was like, "I don't think I like that movie." And I'm like, "Okay, well, I'm gonna watch it." And I watched it alone in my man room, and I I cried like genuine like. I'm about to cry just thinking about it. I love this movie. It, it is, it just works for me. And as an adult, especially, it, it hit notes that I didn't even know I needed to have hit. And I love. I am a huge Jimmy Stewart fan. Um, you know, Vertigo and Rear Window are two of my favorite movies, and this one is up there. Um, Donna Reed plays the female lead, who I actually, believe it or not, I, I grew up watching reruns of Donna Reed on Nick at Night as a kid. Um, and it's it's just such an excellent film, but Corey's never seen it, so we'll be watching it, and I can't wait. Again, I'm I'm very much looking forward to the White Christmas and It's a Wonderful Life episodes, um, because those are movies I don't get to talk about a lot, especially not as cinema. Um, I tend to not do Christmas movies with my film classes because not everybody celebrates Christmas, you know. So I, I try to be uh, you know cautious with that type of thing, and not all Christmas movies hit any type of film 
worth talking about. You know, they're, they're usually feel-good stories. But I think both of those movies have some cinematic qualities that are worth discussing. And I'm looking forward to the opportunity. So that's our month. Um, we'll, we look forward to uh, hearing your thoughts on any of these movies that we're going to be recording. Um, you can send your thoughts to contact at BurkeReviews.com. That's contact at BurkeReviews.com. Follow us on social medias. I am at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey R. Star, two R's on the end. And if you follow or subscribe to Burke Reviews Podcast, that is Top 5 Movies and Burke Reviews Movie Club, we would love for you to rate us on whatever platform you use, whether it's iTunes or Google Play or uh, Stitcher or whatever other service you might be uh, finding our podcast, SoundCloud, whatever. Um, if you give us a rating, give us a like, help other people find out about our podcast, share it. Um, if you drive Uber, pass out stickers, make people listen to us. Thanks, Aaron. We appreciate it. Um, oh, whoa, Aaron. What? Aaron is an Uber driver. Um, and he passes out stickers? He will be. In fact, I'm supposed to be meeting him this weekend to uh, give him some stickers to help us. Aaron is the real MVP. He is our, our best fan for sure. Um, and we want to treat <sighs> him right. So thank you, bud. Um, yeah, but we'll be back uh, with um, Polar Express. I can't wait, which means... This will be one of the rare movie club episodes where um, my uh, my wife will actually watch the movie with me ahead of time because it's Polar Express and she loves that movie. Um, one more note. Uh, we have a new editor on BurkeReviews.com. Um, I want to give him a name drop. Uh, David Ortega is a longtime friend of mine and one I've referenced as a friend throughout this podcast and top five movies. Um, he is my regular – we used to purposely – alternate going to each other's houses to watch movies because we both are collectors and we buy way more movies than we ever watch and it became apparent to us that we needed to push each other to watch these movies and so about four or five years ago we started doing that and it we did it strong for a year where we would every week we were switching whose house we were at we had like a set uh, like tuesday nights i think it was for a while like tuesday nights we would watch a movie together guaranteed for a solid year we did that and um, our schedules got hectic, and it wasn't it wasn't feasible like that anymore. But we still try to do it from time to time. But he started um, proofreading and editing our articles for BurkeReviews.com about about a month ago, I think now. And um, I'm grateful because I I am horrible at proofreading my own writing, and uh, I know he's interested in um, trying out podcasting. So I'm hoping our It's a Wonderful Life episode because David has never seen It's a Wonderful Life either, Corey. Um, that he'll be joining us for that oh. episode. Um, okay. So I'm hoping that's going to work out. It, he may not do it, but I'm I'm putting him on on uh, blast. on blast. Yes, I'm. I, I could not come up with that phrase for a second. I was like, oh, um, I'm putting him on blast and uh, hoping that this will prompt him to come on the podcast and talk about uh, one of my favorite holiday films. It's a Wonderful Life, which we'll be getting to in about three four episodes. So until next time. Uh, thanks for listening, Corey. Have a good week. Thanks. You too. Bye, guys. Peace, everybody. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. <laughs>